Welcome to the Sports Honchos Radio Show, part of the Go Sports Media Company Radio Network. We're hoping you're here because you've just about had it with everyone and everything else. And you're looking for a pair of good-looking guys to tell it like it is, like it was, and how it should be. Or maybe you've got nothing else to do right now and you just need to waste some time. Either way, you might as well turn it up because it's time for the boys to get in your face, under your skin, over the top, and out of bounds. And now, here are your honchos, Paul Cuthbert and Robert Cuny. Are you ready, Mr. Cuny? I am ready, Mr. Cuthbert. Let's go! Woohoo! Sunday morning, baby! Sunday, June 13th, I believe. Welcome to the Hodgers, everybody. You're truly Mr. Paul Cuthbert, man of the board here on Long Island in New York. And it's time to say hello to your favorite honcho of mine, Mr. Robert Cuny from the great state of Maryland. Good morning, sir. How are you? Greetings and salutations, everybody. It's Sunday morning and not quite so easy Sunday morning, but still Sunday morning. And welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Sports Honchos. I'm doing quite well down here in the land of Mary. How are things up on the Isle of Long? Well, they're better now that we're live. You know, you ever, you ever watch Battlestar Galactica, either the uh, the, the the 2000 oh. series or even oh, the I older watch, ones? I watched the one with the, the one with the dreamy Dick Hatch and Dirk Benedict oh, from the those are, yeah, yeah, those are my favorite. But you remember, every now and again, they'd have a Viper in the in the in the launch chute, right? You know, and that's not a euphemism, folks. <laughs> you know, Apollo would be Starbuck be sitting there, right? And they go, go punch yep. it, and then the Viper wouldn't go. They'd have a little and problem nothing. with the chute, you know. Yep. Well, guess no. what? We had a little problem with the with the Viper launch shoot here on the Honchos this morning, and that's why we are pretty much about 25 minutes late. Right. Our well, usual you know, live start at 10.30 a.m. here on the Eastern Seabird. So uh, that, for all of you who were sitting there at 10.30 with your eggs Sorry. and your ham and your sausages, we apologize. But cheers right. to you. Here we are. Good here Sunday are. morning to you, my friend. And since we are both men in our 50s, you know, having, you know, Vipers, Problems with our Vipers launching. That's Speak a common problem. Speak for yourself. I, I was, was trying to be I, nice. I was talking about technical myself. issues, sir. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> happy Sunday morning with your eggs and your ham and your sausage and all the other non-kosher breakfast Especially foods. Especially your sausage. Everything hopefully is good with your, your sausage. sausage. Anyone for sausage? So, here we are. <laughs> Another Woo! good-looking Sunday. How was your week, pal? Anything exciting going on down there in uh, CUNY camp? Uh, in Camp CUNY with two Ks? Uh, no, not particularly. Uh, school still going on. It just won't die. It's like Rasputin. This, finally, though, the school year comes to an end this week. Um, but otherwise, you know, pretty nondescript week. I did not, and this is, I should be publicly shamed for this. I did not tune into the first episode of uh, Loki on Disney+. Plus. But everyone says everyone says it's fantastic, so I'll probably be doing that this afternoon. Um, so there's really? something I should have done this week, but didn't because I suck. Um, otherwise, hold on, wait, hold on a second. What? Yes. Why do you suck because you didn't watch a TV show? Okay, I really don't suck. I'm just saying I should have done. Of, you hold on. You're not one of those guys that goes to like those Star Trek and Star Wars conventions, are you? I only have those in my own private time. <laughs> I make up my own Star Wars and Star Trek conventions. <laughs> No, I only I have been to comic book conventions, never in costume. I've been to a Renaissance fair, never in costume. That to me is a bridge too far. If it's not Halloween, 
or a costume party. Hey, I'm sure or the guys I, would like to see you in a little bridesmaid costume there, pal. Or as yeah. I said last week during, you know, fornication, my Richard Nixon mask, I definitely don't do Yeah, costumes. you uh, you opened up a little too much than we really wanted here in uh, Sports Honchos Land last weekend. Grace requested a uh, Bill Clinton mask for next time because he's a lot more handsome than Richard Nixon, than old Lord. Tricky Dick. <laughs> Dear Lord, my friend. Oh, so, wow. How's the uh, how's the live music business? We are rocking and rolling. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's crazy. You know what is crazy? Um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the the Foo Fighters here, and the uh, they're the doing Eagles. MS. They're opening MSG, right? Yeah, they figured. You know, I think last Tuesday or something Wednesday. Hey, let's uh, announce that we're doing a vaccinated only concert and MSG on Sunday. June twentieth, and you know what Sunday, June twentieth this year is? Why? Besides Paul McCartney's seventy ninth birthday, it's Father's Day. That's right. It's and Padre, the summer it's Padre's solstice. Day. Yes, yeah. Padre's Day. So there's a there's you know there's a, a certain amount of the Foo Fighters uh, fan base that's in a conundrum. There, there are the right. the those who have not been vaccinated, and those who are fathers. Right. You know? and then there are those who are vaccinated and are fathers, and then those. Fans who just got out of a pandemic, right? A lot of people haven't been able to work, and have to decide if they do want to go with say one other person, mm-hmm. whether or not they want to drop seven hundred to a thousand dollars to go see the Foo Fighters Whoa. at that square garden on a Sunday, which is also Father's Day. Wow. And I don't even—I know Eagles tickets even before pre-pandemic prices mm. are insane. I can only—I haven't looked. So, look, I'm in the music biz here, and I'm very grateful. All, and well, I'm on the local music biz. You know, I have a tribute company, mm-hmm. and we do all the, you know, the restaurants, the clubs, corporate stuff, and 1,600-seat and venues and up, you know. Don't, don't, don't be so modest, okay? No, I I'm just saying, but, like, you know, we are in the ticketed yeah. industry, and, and I see, like, yeah. you know, the, the big places that we play out here right now, they're, they're, they're not doing that right now as far as, you know, raising ticket prices. You know, I'm sure the, 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 the food and the beer prices have definitely gone up here. Uh, there's no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, everybody out here in Long Island, New York, and where we played so far, a uh, combination of big, small, and mid-rooms here, and, you know, nobody's complaining. Everybody's going out and having a great time and just really happy to be out there. Uh, but there's no doubt on the, on, the, on the higher end of stuff here as far as what's going on with this concert. And it's amazing because there's a lot of guys that I know we're all Foo Fighters fans. We're diehards. I mean, I love Grohl. I love what he does. We've been, we've, we've been waiting for this to come back. Now it's a unique thing. I'm sure these guys are going to swing back on a stadium or you know tour next year or whatever the heck they're going to do, you know. And there's a lot of concerts that have been announced here in, in the local area, whether it's the Coliseum, not so much the Coliseum. I apologize, uh, but you know Barclays or the Garden, Jones Beach. There's some shows that are coming in, but this particular you know announcement the other day, and you know we had a uh, one last thing on this. We had a situation there. Um, when we had to play a show with the CDC and the state guidelines, there's nothing the bands and the venue owners can do. You can only do what the state allows you to do as far as your, you know, and especially with venues with fear of losing their liquor license and then bands and artists being able to perform. You have to do what you're told. So up until like, you know, I think it's going to open up a little more here in the next month or whatever the heck it is. But, you know, they would have to do, if you didn't get your vaccine, you have to sit in a, masked area and then those who are vaccinated have to sit in a you know can can be in a general admission you can walk around you can hang out you can do whatever you want and you get all this really negative feedback you know online which is a trip and you know i mean people just comparing it to nazi germany and segregation and 
you know, it's unbelievable. But you see this again now with the Foo Fighters. This ha- You have to be vaccinated to go see this show. And then you see, you know, comments by fans. Oh, I'm throwing all my Foo, Fur- Foo Fighter records out. I'm done with these guys. Um, so I'd love to throw back that back to you, Rob, as far as can you believe this? I mean, you know, it's just you, you can't win with the way. Nope. I mean, we're so lucky right now this country has turned it around. And it's, you know, for anti-vaxxers and all that other stuff, you know, do me a favor. No one's forcing you to go to any show. Right. And nobody's forcing you to go get your vaccine. And nope. for all of us who have decided to get our vaccine and are going back to living pretty much pretty down near normal lives now as far as going out and sporting events and concerts and stuff, you guys just have to wait then, I guess. Right. Look, um, let's well, hold on. I, 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 my, I'm, I'm, I'm attached to my refrigerator here. I have to. From the vaccine, the ma- the magnesium, <laughs> and the virus. Nice job, Magneto. Let's um, let's just put aside all the religious objections, medical reasons, pregnancy, whatever. Just get the fucking vaccine. You're actually being incredibly selfish if you don't, and if you choose not to. And I guess that's your right. Theoretically, this still is a semi-free country. Leave the rest of us to fuck alone. Exactly. <laughs> if, there, if everyone else who's gotten a vaccine because they care about this country moving forward, again, taking out the people that have religious objections and medical objections, but people just don't want to do it because they don't want to be labeled, say, a Democrat. I heard somebody say that he wears his mask still, so people don't think he's a Republican. If you're one of these bozos, uh, let us enjoy... Some Foo Fighters, some live Foo Fighters for a change since, you know, first time in 16, 17 months. And you can sit outside with a sign saying, you know, (laughs) Foo Fighters equals Nazi Germany. Knock yourself out. Please wear a mask if you're not vaccinated. So I just, I don't get it. Just put, just get the vaccine or don't, but don't accuse anyone else and, and for, for those of you anti-vaxxers who feel it's a tracking device, please hand in your license, your iPhone, your uh, your uh, your cable vision bill. Your, you know, hand in all those other things too. Your Direct TV. Oh my lord. So, okay. Hey, by the way, can you still see me? Yes, I can. Because I can't see you. Ah, oh, well, that's probably really, that's that's why you suddenly dropped your facial expression. You couldn't see me anymore. I can see you, pal. Oh, all right, everybody, just chill out a little bit. We're uh, we're having a little technical difficulty here. I'm gonna talk real quick, and then I'm gonna call uh, Rob right back. Hold on a second, there, everybody. Hang in there with us. This is gonna be cool. Um, this is what's happened today, as far as. Uh, you know, the technical difficulties here on the honchos. And uh, we'll try and bring Rob back right now. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It's all right. Look, it, buddy, you it know. Just, it just You know what? Down. You know what it was? We started, like what talk, we started about talking vaccines. about vaccines. We started talking about vaccines. And, and, yeah, you know, see? That's right, what see. happens. And it, right. it shuts me down. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. All right. We're back. We're back. We are. All right, buddy. That was very weird. <laughs> Shall we proceed? Very, very yeah, yeah let's go. Okay, it's time for our headlines that may cause you to do lines segment. So you I, start I it now. Do, 
on Sunday mornings. Boy. On the hot shows. After that, we're just, I want to do some wines. So, I, I had a whole... Wow, that's very loud carnival music. I had a whole Law & Order segment planned out. But before we get to that, this came across my eyes this morning, and I couldn't resist bringing it up because it's the perfect story for the Han Show. So I'll just read you the, the headline from the New York Times this morning. Humpback whale nearly eats a lobster min, then thinks better of it. And if you're wondering, did, do people only get eaten by whales in the Bible and in cartoons? No. No, they don't. A, a lobsterman by the name of Michael Packard was diving for lobsters when he was swallowed whole by a whale. He sat inside the whale's mouth for 30 to 40 seconds, a humpback whale, before the whale spit him out because it's not what whales actually eat. He didn't get bitten. There were no broken bones, just a lot of bruises, and a, I'm sure a shitload of psychological counseling that would be necessary. <laughs> but he was swallowed whole, banged on the inside of the mouth to get out, and then thought he – now, this isn't funny. He thought he was going to die until the mouth opened, and he was literally like like, we were, like if you had just eaten something foul and you spit it out, the whale spit him back out into the water. He was brought onto his boat by the person with whom he was going fishing for lobsters. Uh Taken to the hospital for observation, released the same day, and he's ready to get back in the water. But really, what a story to tell your kids. You were inside of a whale for 30 to 40, I'm sure, extremely fearful and scary white-knuckle moments. But still, inside a whale, no teeth, no broken bones, no blood, just in the whale like he was Jonah from the Bible. So I saw that, and I said, i got to bring that up because that's one of the most incredible things I've heard. Since, you know, Cicada pee last week. Well, you, you know the, the follow-up story as to why the whale spit him back out, right? From certain he media wasn't, He wasn't vaccinated? Yeah, he wasn't. No, he had the vaccine. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. The whale, definitely an anti-vaxxer. We won't yeah. see the whale at Madison Square Garden next Sunday. <laughs> For I saw a picture of that dude. He's, he's looking all right, man. He's uh, What a story to tell. He'll be a big hit down at the local pub there. <laughs> he will. And by the way... Each year that goes by, it'll be 30 seconds, then a minute, then an hour. Then he was in there for a week. There I and then was. he spent the summer. <laughs> there I was. There I yeah. was. <laughs> the sea was angry that day, my friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Well, uh, we're just glad that he's okay. So a big uh, Honcho's Get Well card to Michael Packard. So I'm, no... I'm, actually, I'm sending a complaint to the whale. <laughs> I'm not finishing the job. Really? But again, we won't see the whale at the Foo Fighters concert because he's not vaccinated. Yeah. All right. Woo. Let's get down to some business, shall we? A little bit of law and order for the folks at home. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by this. I don't watch the show, never did watch the show. Fair, uh, familiar with the dong dong in the theme music right. and all that other stuff. But uh, take it away, Mr. Cuny. Well, the stories are just one is a lawsuit and one is about the police. So I thought playing the law and order open would be appropriate. Um Okay, so one is semi-serious and one is not quite as serious. I'll do the, the serious one first. This is from Florida, of course. Uh, it's a story, quite an amazing story. The headline is, this is from Channel 10 News in Florida. Pair flees juvenile home involved in shootout with Florida deputies. So I, I will give you... Criminal justice the, system. The people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. 
Hey, I just want to know, was I supposed to play that before? Why, yes. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to play it before I started, but now let's, I'll, hold, let's rewind hold the on. tape. Hold on. Here we go. Here we go, everybody. Live radio. It's the In the best. criminal justice system, <laughs> the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. Oh, my okay. God. All right. So now here All right, I'm story. sorry anyway, about that, folks, but we got it okay. in. Let's go. We did it. So uh, I'll give you the short version of the story. A 14-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy escaped from a juvenile home in Florida. I was hoping to a, a whale. <laughs> no. Broke into a house um, and engaged in a shootout with police because apparently this house contained weapons like an AK-47, over 200 rounds of ammo, and engaged in a 45-minute shootout with the police at the end of the day um the police the the girl was injured she was shot a couple times she's in stable but critical condition um but she's alive and the boy came out and surrendered after the girl had gotten shot um in those 45 minutes you can hear the police say that they well first the police tried to talk to the two they even came to the house and brought a cell phone so the two kids could call whoever they wanted to uh, those attempts to defuse the situation were rebuffed. Um, but in the body cam video that the police are wearing, uh, you can clearly hear them say, let's not engage them, let's let's just hang out here. And then a few minutes later, you hear them saying, they're shooting at me, and a report that the girl was down after they had returned fire. I bring that up because it's not often that we get to shed some positive light some good publicity on the work that police officers do. Uh, I don't think people appreciate, I, I, let me not say, I think there are those that do not appreciate um, on a regular basis the kind of danger and the kind of split-second decision-making that police officers have to make. And you have a little boy and a little girl, they are children. I don't care if they're heavily armed, they're still children. And the first instinct of the police was not just to rain fire upon the house, but to not engage them, keep the situation stable, didn't want anybody to be hurt. And it wasn't until they were fired upon that the police took action. And who can blame them? I don't care how old the shooter is. If somebody is shooting at you, shooting back is the appropriate response. And and they shot in a way that nobody got killed. And we talk about how things are with the police in this country and the complaints about police and and defunding the police and all that. I don't want to go down the political road of those sorts of movements, but I just think once in a while, when you hear a story about something that could have turned out really bad, even if, even if the police were defending themselves, two children killed in the police shootout is terrible, terrible news. It didn't go badly. It went, you know, as probably as well as could be expected short of nobody being hurt. And I just wanted to, to put some positive light on the police departments around the country and say their job is a million times more dangerous than mine, and they're constantly being forced to make split-second decisions. There's no real playbook for how to react in certain situations. So I, that's all. I just thought that you know our show, we can do a little good for our friends in blue. That's all. All right, pal. Nice job. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, there's nothing right to react to. I just I, I like the story. No, I well, look, it. look, uh, uh, intelligent people know that uh, in a 24-hour cycle, 
in every corner of our country, every neighborhood, every community, every big city, every you know, from state troopers to you know the local guys, even the even the guys running around in the little in the little cars in the the shopping malls, you know, even those guys. Um, there are thousands and thousands of incidents that go on uh, all the time, and then obviously there's there's the big bad ones that happen, and the, the ones where there's some sad stories. This is a good story here in terms of how the the cops dealt with it. Horrifying mm-hmm. on the other end in terms of the children and the guns. Yep. But uh, this is the this is the country we live in. But man, you know, every every it's. You know, the, the, if there's one, and we're not going to go into political stuff, but it, just in a reality thing, the, the, if there's a fault, and this this pretty much happens in every country, there's just there's haves and have-nots. There's there's you can you can you can drive through really nice towns, protected towns in this country, and then you can turn a corner, and then you're in not so fortunate towns and everything. And then there's everything that's in between there, and you know. People are desperate, and then there are people who have lost their minds, and then you have, like I said, the the front, the, and the, like I said, they are on the front line every day, and that's our law enforcement. And there are uh, more good cops than bad cops, just like, you yep. know, I mean, I think um, I think Chris Rock had said it once in, in a comedy bit. He says, you know, you, you know, as far as where this goes, and, and we're not here, this is not our show to do this and everything, but I think it's something to say that, like, you know, you, you can't have a bad pilot the same way you can have bad cops, and that's just how it just has to get figured out one way or the other. Yep. But day in and day yep. out, man, um, law enforcement, incredibly grateful for it, and I would say to anybody, you know, suit up, take the training, you know, um, you don't, if you don't have any kind of combat experience as a soldier, and if you don't have any kind of um, experience as far as dealing with mental health, you know, go live a day in, in, a, in a police officer's, uh, you know, yeah. shoes. And, and again, like I said, there, there, are, there are officers, obviously, who have made some absolutely horrible mistakes out there. But for the yeah. guys and gals that go out there every day, and for the most part, we as a country for many, 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 many years have been a civilized society. And that means, like I said, you know, it's not, you know, houses aren't burning on your blocks every day. And that's because right. of law enforcement. And when yep. social issues come up, and that's the great thing about this country, too. People are allowed to march. They're allowed to be angry when things are going wrong. You're allowed to get out there and, and, and do that. And in, even when you go out and march, guess who's keeping you safe on the streets? Yep. Even when you're marching against the people that are keeping you safe. <laughs> They're and, keeping and, you safe. And those, those bad seeds are being dealt with. And they're weeding out bad police officers like they weed out bad members of any profession. It's going to happen and, here on the honchos. One yeah. of us here is a bad seat. Right. It's going to be, again, the sports honcho any any day now. It's going to so, happen. It's going to happen. Or maybe it just be nobody. Maybe you'll turn on, you'll turn on your <laughs> podcast app and there'll be just silence because we've both been fired. All right. Let's let's clear our palates now and and and. Take out taking something a little more lighthearted. This is from your pals at the New York Post a few days ago. This oh, is a great I story. I love the New York Post, baby. This is a great story. Headline: Westchester school principal made employee take racy pictures. Colon lawsuit. Here's the first line: A Yonkers school worker was forced to take raunchy photos of her principal posing in a thong at school, and store the shots on her cell phone along with penis pics and other illicit images an explosive federal lawsuit alleges. The principal enlisted the underlings' help in order to hide the sexy snaps 
That's quality journalism. From her husband and save them for her lover, the school secretary and her attorney told The Post. Giselle Vasquez, a 35-year-old single mom, was hired as a Spanish-speaking secretary for Principal Evelina Medina, a name that rhymes, always troubling, uh, at the Robert C. Dodson School, an 865-student magnet school. Hey, how about that? Five minutes from Scarsdale, but Medina soon pushed her to do far more than clerical work, the Manhattan federal court papers claim. So here are some of the things that she asked her to do. Oh, you're not going to do that. Oh, all right. Everybody buckle up. Go ahead. <laughs> so the first thing, she first she texted Vasquez, this is the principal, a photo of a man lying in bed in his underwear. Okay, that seems okay. It doesn't seem okay, but at least it's not nude yet. And instructed Vasquez to save the photo for her on her own phone. So basically, this principal engaged in a series of sending her secretary things to be stored on the secretary's phone so the principal's husband wouldn't find out. Uh, the next day, Medina ushered the secretary into the school office and ordered her to take a photo of her. She hands me the phone and says, close the door, Vasquez told the Post. Medina then proceeded to lower her pants to her ankles, turned around and exposed her buttocks oh, come in on, thong underwear and posted. Stop! Come Wait, on! It gets so much you know, better. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to get to the point now that this is really a thrill for you. <laughs> this story is a thrill. Uh, as, you know, as a school employee, I can tell you, I've never see, had anyone take pictures of me in a thong go or going commando. You know, anyway, the headline was enough. So she also told her to buy lingerie, told the secretary to buy lingerie so the principal could go out on a date with her lover. She sent a picture of her lover naked to be stored in her secretary's phone. There were penis pics. Of her lover sent basically again she was warehousing all of her illicit yeah, photos you and, all and, evidence and the genitalia on this show all what evidence is going of her on affair. with you listen america loves genitalia i took a poll get it i took a poll hey now <laughs> so anywho this woman this so the lawsuit is still pending um the print you'll be happy to know the secretary is on administrative leave, and the principal is no longer at the Robert C. Dotson School outside of Scarsdale. In fact, when the Post called to talk to the principal, they were told that she no longer worked at the school and was hung up on immediately. So, you can get the story yourselves, folks. It's a lot racier. But it's a federal suit because I guess the city of Yonkers is being sued along with the school system and the principal herself. There's only one reason all this stuff went down at this school. You think you're gonna break up? Then she says she wants to make up. Things we do for love, baby. That's it. Like walking in the rain and the snow when there's nowhere else to go, <laughs> and a part of you is dying. Uh, I'm telling you, Mr. Cutie. You want your own podcast to talk about this stuff every week? I no, that's why I have. I'm this more show. than happy to produce it for you. Is but it my fault that people resort to these types there of? There are thousands of headlines every week. You keep bringing back not, the genitalia stuff, but they're not funny. <laughs> Come on, I, I told you about a guy being eaten by a whale. That's funny, and it doesn't involve anybody's penis, as far as I know. Stop saying although, the although, word. Although. It was called a humpback whale. So, you know, you got that going for you, which is nice. 
sports honchos. Those guys, those guys should be called the horny honchos. I mean, that guy. That's right. Rob Cuny. All he does is talk about genitalia. That's all he does. Rob Cuny puts the hoe in honchos. He puts the hoe in honchos. I mean, it's disgusting. I mean, why we, why, why, why they even have sports on that show? Yeah, in fact, there are no sports day, folks. So have a great Sunday. We'll see y'all next week. Well, not. They can't see us, Robert. We're still on audio only. Oh, okay. Well, I'll put a shirt on then. <laughs> and on that note let's talk some sports let's talk some sports baby Woo-hoo-hoo. oh we got a great story to lead this uh, little NCAA segment that we like to do here on the Han shows taking a bit of a break obviously uh, we're in the off season here but, man, we've talked about the uh, the college playoffs in depth here on the Honchos, and we got some news about uh, what they want to do here. And as always, baby, it's all about the money, baby. It is. It's Woo-hoo! all about the Benjamins. So the, uh, the four-team playoff that we've had for the last several years, the College Football Playoff Management Committee has met in Chicago and has recommended, or will meet in Chicago, and will recommend a 12-team playoff instead of four so that's right it's a 300 percent increase now people have been saying for the last couple of years how about six how about eight but 12 a, a dirty dozen of college football teams seems like a lot seems like a giant leap forward and not in that you know mal killing 45 million people sort of way um but here's what i think well let me get to some of the particulars before i get to what i think um there's no guarantee for conference champions which is what many people have called for a 16 playoff with a champion from the Power Five conferences and then one at large bid. But here it would be, instead, it, it, the bracket will include the six highest ranked conference champions plus the six highest ranked other teams as determined by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee. There would be no limit on the number of participants from a conference and no league would automatically qualify. So... You would not get your, hey, we won the Pac-10, for instance, and now we get our automatic bid. Here's what I think. Obviously, there's going to be a change. There's going to be an expansion of the number of teams in the playoff because it's more games, more eyeballs to the set, more money. I think if you ask for a six-team expansion, six, not 16, sound like I said 16, a six-team expansion or an eight-team expansion, it's easier to close the door on that expansion at this time. If you ask for 12, however, you shoot for the moon, and you can sort of dial it back and go, okay, 12, a little much. How about 10? Perhaps 8. You do some negotiating. You do some horse trading and get it down to a more palatable 6 or 8 because 12 seems like an obnoxious number of playoff teams. Plus, the the season then gets extended even further, and it's more games that you're asking uh, these students to play. Now, look. I know that the NFL plays 17 games, so for a college team to play 15, 16 games in a season is not unreasonable, except that most of those kids playing college football aren't going to the pros to play 16 or 17 games. You are asking a lot of the teams, of the fans. To me, there is no reason not to really go to 12. I understand the objections. It just seems a little bloated. A 6-8 to team set of playoff teams seems a lot more manageable. I think six is fine. 
Again, one from each of the Power Five conferences, your Big Ten, your Pac-10, your SEC, your ACC, uh, Big 12, and then one at large, which would probably be Notre Dame in most years because they're independent. Maybe eight to stop all the rampant complaining about teams like Coastal Carolina that get the shaft or Cincinnati that got the shaft last year, but no more than eight. So that's what I think happened here. They asked for 12 and hope the NCAA says 12, too much, let's go down to eight. Ultimately, it's going to happen because, as you pointed out, Paul, it's all about the money. In fact, if it goes to 12, it's nothing more than a serious cash grab. Yeah, um, and look at that number, pal. It's going to go from $600 million yep. to a potentially 12 billion. That's a revenue. lot of billions. That's a hell so, of a jump. Yeah. Um, I am the, all for it. We have talked about this because, uh, to me, the national championship, as far as the – and let's just take away all the business side of it here for a second here. Right. As far as the competitiveness involving more colleges, involving more talent, getting more exposure uh, around the rest of the country instead of just seeing Clemson and, and uh, Roll Tide every year, Notre Dame and everything else, uh, mix it up, man. Give some of these other universities, these top universities, a chance to get in the dance here. I yeah. think it's great. Shit, make it 16. Make it 24. I don't care. Turn it into an NCAA championship, a uh, basketball championship right. to me. I and love I, it. Yeah. Go ahead. I think, they, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I think if they start going to more teams, then logically they could cut off the number of regular season games as they get more teams in. Because let's face it, playoff games will make a lot more money well, than any regular season game. Just because they'd have to expand. You don't want the season those, going to March. They're going to sell out those regular season so if games you too. open up the playoffs – what? They're going to sell out those extra regular season game playoffs. That's more money. That's what I'm saying. It, the, if you ex- shorten the regular season no, don't. because you have more playoff games. No, don't. Well, Keep, give them more. Uh, it, it, well, they have to start the season earlier or have it run later, and they that's don't want to run into – We got nothing to do. Well, that's true. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, why am I going to school? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> they're, not, they're not going to school. Okay? Let's not make the student athlete, when are they going to study bullshit argument? Uh, please. Please get out of here with that shit. Um, but you're right. If if eventually as they go, the playoffs get bigger. We saw this with the NCAA basketball tournament. They're going to add more teams. Yes, they could start the season earlier, finish it later. But logically, if they shorten it from 10 regular season games to eight, those two regular season games, which you can cut off your non-conference games against teams out of your division, the playoff games, if they split the revenue, which they probably will, will make a lot more money than any regular season game. I'm not talking about the kind of revenue that an Alabama-Auburn game makes or a Michigan-Ohio State game makes, but for most of your regular season games, you're not going to make as much money as you would in a playoff game, even if you're not involved because the conferences, as you said, stand to make, what was that number you gave? $12 bu- bu- billion? Dollars? $12 billion. That's a lot of billions split amongst a lot of colleges. So... If they go with this 12-team format, it's uh, the top teams get a bye, the one, seeds one through four. Teams five through 12 would play each other in the first round on the home field of a higher-ranked team, which is also good. I like yeah. bringing the college playoffs into the colleges themselves. I like it too. And then they send them off to uh, the quarterfinals and semifinals and the championship game will be played like they've done in the past at the Rose Bowl, the, the Sugar Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, whatever it is. So you get the home games back. The best teams get a week off. They get... They earn that. Other teams get a, a one more home game, the higher seeds. So there is some reward as you go down the line for those 12 teams. There is some incentive to do as well as possible. It's not just, hey, you know, half of our teams are going to get into the playoffs, so why bother? Yes, it will neuter 
even further the bowl season. All the other non-playoff games. Yeah, but who the really cares about right, exactly? It's some bowl season. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about them now with a fourteen playoff. Hey, Paulie, the gonna... Clorox Bleach Bowl is on yeah. Thursday at 7 right. o'clock. You, you locking in there? You heading up to your local sports bar? I think uh, Tulane is uh, playing uh, Kansas City. Are you in? Again, this money from the playoff and expanded playoff will trickle down to all the schools eventually. The Bulls, you can keep them. as They're nice, nice exhibition games. Give kids who are not going to the pro something to talk about. Hey, look, we played in you know the Pool and Weed Eater Bowl. I got news for everybody. The whole... Complexion of the sports business going forward is changing across the board. You know this whole pandemic, this quarantine. The leagues have have they you know the, the smart guys they take notes, man. They see what happens, what works, and you know, and you can flip this back to the entertainment business, like we were talking in the beginning too, as far as ticket prices and everything else. How much will the consumer spend? How much will the consumer come back out? How much economically, in terms of uh, the the economic level of the average sports fan in this country, where the money's at, you know, the, the this you know it, it breaks down to all this stuff, the stimulus money that was given out to everybody, all the stuff that happens, there's extra money in everybody's pocket, and the, everybody's getting vaccinated, we're getting back to work. They are going to maximize this as much as they possibly can. It'll happen in the workforce where they'll find out that they'll be able to save more money by keeping employees at home, right? They're going to find out, you know, how the heck can we uh, make more money at the at the gate, at the, at the bars, uh, at the concession stands. All this stuff is going to change now going forward. And, and now with this, you know, this, let's put it this way too, this kind of like this fail-safe thing that they've put back into, you know, our, our health community here with, with the vaccine. So, they're kind of making it like, hey, we we've got a, we've got a uh, an antidote near now. So they're going to invest into all changing all the sports pl- platforms here, whether it's TV, the coverage, and especially at the gate. This thing with football, NCAA here, you know, uh, it's just about more money. And they're also, you know, in some way, shape, or form, every major league, even the colleges, they they got their asses handed to them. As far as yep. uh, you know, losing money in the pandemic and quarantine, and they're going to find a way to make it back, and then and then some going forward. Yeah. So, what have I know. been? What have I been saying since we started doing this show? Basically, anything to keep the lights on. And if they want more playoff games, you and I, as sports consumers, I'll take more playoff games. That's of fine course. with me. See, now that the lights are back it. on, yeah, you know, let's jack up the gigawatts, baby. Yeah, so look, to me, this is a no-brainer for a fan of college football. And then you get some of the arguments about, are they really the national championship? All that shit goes away. If you can win another two or three games and roll through the best teams in the country, that, to me, is just like the legitimacy of the NCAA basketball tournament. This, okay. to me, is a no-lose situation. Yeah, so look at it this way, too, Rob. You know, because uh, we all got used to being home, and, and now it's streaming services and apps and stuff like that. So take a guy like me, and we've talked about the college playoffs here, and I've talked about I want more teams. I want, I want uh, you know, get some more, uh, mix it up a little more and stuff. If, yeah. if I'm, I'm, that gets me more interested in watching what's going on on the West Coast as far as getting into this tournament and getting a chance. Because, yeah, I am bored of Clemson Notre Dame and Roll Tide. It's the same three goddamn teams Ohio every State. year. Don't forget uh, yeah. about the Buckeyes. Yeah, it's... I know, but those are the top. I mean, those yeah. are the top three teams. You get the TV contracts, all that stuff. It's in yep. your face, and they win every year. You know, that's basically what it is. So, I'm the guy that's going to download the the Sports Center app or the TNT app or whatever because that's probably the only way I'm going to get to watch that if it's not on a national 
you know, uh, broadcasting channel here as far as, you know, just general sports. So, you know, this is all, it's, and this is, you, you know, with, you, you keep an eye on sports betting, fan duel, all that other stuff. If they expand the college playoffs, I'm sure it helps Vegas, the numbers. This is all money, 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 yeah. money, money. And we'll get, we might get us, you know, everybody loves the Cinderella story in the basketball tournament. Maybe a Coastal Carolina wins a couple games in the playoffs and makes it to the semifinals. Absolutely, man. And you, 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 you're, oh, what, the fo- you're the football guy, man. It's, it's, it's possession. I'd love to see that. I, me too, man. And if you love the college game and yeah. you, and all the uh, eccentric personalities, the coaches that we covered during, uh, especially this past season, which was a trip. You're going to have coaches that are going to take chances, and, and you have yep. these players that can mix up different types of plays and go for it. And as far as, you know, uh, Jesus, the over on, on these games and lighten it up and guys just, you know, going for the yep. for the lights with uh, long passes. and stuff. It's going to be – I look, I'm all for – we're look, we're the sports honchers, right? Me and right. you doing the show. We're gluttons for this. We want exactly. sports. So Please I am, give us stuff to talk about. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, this is for us, too, if this comes in, you know, I don't th- When are they talking about possibly starting this, Rob? Uh, maybe next season. Maybe the season after. I don't recall off the top of my head. But they have to get it through. So it won't be this season, obviously. They have to get it through committee. Um, my guess it would be to the 2022 season. Has I'm to be approved in. first. I'm all for um, it. And, and, you know, one more thing. A lot of times, looking at the next level, at the NFL, how many times have we watched the NCAA men's basketball tournament and seen someone we haven't heard about rise through the tournament, have a hell of a tournament, get this exposure, and seen them drafted in the first round? Same thing will happen in the NFL. You know, we're going to see somebody, a player for one of these teams that has gotten zero exposure but is in the playoffs, runs through the playoffs, does a great job. All of a sudden, he's in the national consciousness, and you know, maybe this jump starts or ignites that player's career the same way the tournament does for basketball players. So it's got a lot of upside to it. Again, I don't really see any downside unless people say, oh, it's too much football. But those people are dopes. Yeah. Where are <laughs> those people yeah. in America? Those are the same people that are outside MSG saying, uh, I'm not getting a vaccine. I'm burning all my Foo Fighters records and all my Alabama jerseys. Man, are you <laughs> kidding me? If the, the college football and NFL, if they could, they would have – it would be a year-round season. <laughs> It is. The NFL already is a year. But I mean, season. like, you but, know, they, they would have oh. like a 50 game season and, it would you know, forget about right. it, you know. But this is it. You know, um, you know, hockey and hoops does it that way, too. You know, as far as uh, the more teams you have in the tournament, mm. it gives you a chance for other other surprises. You know, and I know we're going to get into this in the NBA and the NHL seven coming up, but uh, it allows teams to, you know, surprise in a sweep or in an opening round or a player, uh, a rookie that comes in, you know, uh, and takes over a series or changes a series, you know, so the more you have in it. So when it's tight like that, I mean, there's certain aspects of it, too. I mean, I know we love the I love the classicness of baseball. I know that, you know, I'm expanding here with the wild card and stuff, but it's it's kind of worked out. I think it's all right. And I think baseball, I think going forward now, and if they survive the CBA, I think the baseball has a chance right now with all the superstars they have in the game right now uh, to be – uh, really gained some momentum here going forward uh, beyond COVID and quarantine. I think there's just some incredible talent in, in Major League Baseball these days. And, and also with the uh, minor league teams getting back in there and everything else, and that all working together. Um, but, you know, uh, hockey, uh, football, like I said, you know, you have the, um, as far as the way the playoffs are set right now, 
I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to see the NFL expand its playoffs. I think it's no, perfect. The no, way they're it is. they're they're big enough already with seven teams from each each conference. It's, but I it's think enough. you can tweak it here in in, in in college football, and obviously they're going to make a ton of money. And yep. if you know uh, Americans love their NCAA tournament, like you talked about, and uh, they will definitely forget it. College football, it's insane. And especially the on the smart. on the betting lines, on the betting lines, this is oh, just of course. massive. That's where it's all about, man. It's gonna now the gambling is sweeping through the country, legalized in more states. It's all about the gambling. And I will tell you before we move on, the smartest thing that baseball did, the NBA did, was have a playoff format in which you had one and duns, because we're used to series, best of five, best of three, best of seven. And, you know, one loss in the beginning, you know, you, you can take it. It's okay. Even two losses. You go down 0-2, your team, you're still alive. But a one-and-done, the excitement of a one-and-done, this is it. You advance, you win or you don't, or go home. That notion, not for the whole playoffs, just to the beginning to weed out some of the wild card teams, makes for very exciting playoffs. And also, I, 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 I wonder if the NHL would have ever sort of revamp their format and have a, a one-and-done themselves. Probably not, but no. I just think that the whole idea of a one-and-done to start They can't the because they, they make all their revenue at the gate. That's, that's true. That's why, they, that's why they got rid yeah. of the best of three, the best of five series, and made yeah. everything best of seven. Because they need, they, they you know, right. obviously a series goes five, six, seven games. Those franchises, that's where they're making their bank. Yeah. And you and I are old enough to remember when best of seven was two games, three games, and two games. Yeah, that might come back too. There's all we don't know. Yeah. I mean, we're gonna get into it now. Are we ready to go? We ready to go? I'm ready. You ready to go? We're ready yes. to go. All right. We are. Let's 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 stop staying on the outside with the hockey and the hoops and the baseball. Let's get right into it right here on the sports honchos as we go to the hardwoods, the ice rinks, and the diamonds for some hockey hoops and hardball. No all right, Rob. I'm gonna try this again. Okay. Every week. See those hands, buddy. Here are my hands. Woo! Screw All right. Fingers. You're saving it for the video. Because then I'm going to embarrass him. Because you'll see. You'll see if he doesn't do it. All right, folks. NBA. NHL playoffs. Full swing. NHL a little bit ahead now with their final four. As the yep. NBA is in their final eight semifinals you, there. You want to start with the NBA or the NHL? Let's shoot through the uh, the NBA real quick. Okay. And then we'll, we'll tighten things up here with the uh, the hockey since we've only got four teams to talk about now. Right. Um, all right. So right now we're in the midst of the, I guess, the second round? I guess the quarterfinals of the NBA, the NBA playoffs take you know, about as long as it takes to read War and Peace. As you said, <laughs> the NHL is in their final four already, and we're still, no team is beyond the third game and, and of the, the quarterfinals. And the NHL started in January, and the NBA started in December. That's true. The NHL, they don't fuck around. They're just like, let's get the regular season over with, get to the playoffs and make some money. Okay, so right now Utah leads the Clippers 2-1. to one, And thank God the Clippers, by the way, defeated the Mavericks. That would have been incredibly embarrassing for the Clippers. Not that I'm happy about that. But it would have been very embarrassing for that franchise to have lost after they tanked to meet a team other than the Lakers. Um, and 
after a year in which they ran Doc Rivers out of town because they have players in that team other than Kawhi Leonard, who come up small in the playoffs. They are now down 2-1 to the Utah Jazz. Denver, I mean, uh, Phoenix is running through Denver. Uh, they're up 3-0 on Causing that team. Causing fights in the stands. It's great. Yes, it's fantastic. Um, the Sixers and the Hawks. Sixers are up two games to one. And the Bucks and the Nets. The Bucks finally decided to keep the Nets under 100 points um, <laughs> and actually play some some basketball in the paint, which is where they're much better than shooting from the outside. They're only down 2-1 to one to the Nets. Um, so we shall see what happens there. Um, but as I said, by the time we meet next time, hopefully we're down to the final four mm-hmm. um, in basketball. So, you know, the, the playoffs are progressing pretty much um, to form. Uh, the, the Suns and the Jazz are up in their series, and the Sixers and the Nets um, are up in theirs. So, you know, it's all chalk so far. Uh, the, more, the more compelling series seems to be um, in the West – because eh, the Sixers and Hawks, it's it's the Nets are probably going to go four one. Uh, the Sixers are probably go four one also. Uh, but the Utah Clippers series, you know, again the Clippers were down 0-2 to the the Mavericks and came back and won that in seven. So you know, buckle up, buddy, for that this, series. This is, now just just pull back the zoom here. There's you know when you look at the the last eight here, right? I mean, for us, we're going to have a brand new champion this year. Yeah. There's no Golden State, no Lakers, Warriors, no, no Golden Lakers, State, right? No Cleveland Cavaliers, nope. no Miami Heat. You know, mm-hmm. none of the big teams yep. are in this dance, and we're going to have a new NBA championship, and we're going to have a new parade in a new city. This is going to be phenomenal. I would love to see because this would make uh, Adam Silver's head explode. A Utah Milwaukee final because the the TV <laughs> ratings on a Utah Milwaukee final, they might as well do it like they did in the seventies and just show it on tape delay oh. back when they that's when they used to show the finals. Oh, I know that that they would love a Clippers Nets, you know, a Brooklyn You're not LA let the Nets final lose that series. No. Technical, no, they, technical, technical, technical. Right. I mean, <laughs> look, throw, you've got <laughs> three big markets. You've got Atlanta, Philadelphia, and Brooklyn. Obviously, Brooklyn's the biggest. Um, so if they had their way, they would love to see anybody, anybody but Utah come out of the West and anybody but Milwaukee come out of the East for TV. But again, if you're if you're someone who'd like to stick it to the NBA for the comedic value, a Utah-Milwaukee. and have Come a good on season. now, the, the Phoenix Suns are just as exciting as anything. I no, mean, that's, with all the great true. news that's coming out of Arizona these days, I mean, it would just be great. Well, I, I'm happy for Chris Paul. I'd like to see him win a championship before he hangs up. He's been playing forever. He's only 35, and it seems like he's been playing since the 90s. Clearly not. So, Mr. Cooney, um, do, you, do you think the NBA keeps this playoff format going forward? Um, I, I think it's here to stay. It's I don't know. Said. We just named all the big money teams that aren't in it. They might not want to do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, look, it's all about the money. They didn't want to start the season when they started, and ultimately, who won out? Yeah, but here you are in the playoffs, and you don't have the big money markets are, are not in this this dance here. They're losing millions as far as you know TV revenue. Because I'm telling That's you true. right now, you're you're not getting a lot of people tuning into the the Sixers in Atlanta here. I, I just don't mm-hmm. care. I mean, you you got your New York market, uh, New York market here, uh, in Brooklyn. But I'm sorry, you know the Nets with all the stars and everything. They are still not the entity of the Knicks. They don't have the 
the history, the long term. No, know, they're not like, the most popular team in New York. I heard not. that that in the when the Knicks, I mean, and the, the Clippers and the are Nets, the other team in LA, right? I mean, and and I, no, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard in New York when the when the playoffs started that Knicks the Knicks tickets sold out in like you know an hour or whatever it was, and in Brooklyn they couldn't give playoff tickets away. No. That's and the they're difference. the more they're the more exciting team, but it's still the Knicks town in New York. Look, there's the the the, the Knicks, the Rangers, and the Yankees fans, and 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 the Giant fans. Okay, mm-hmm. they they are always there, and they've mm-hmm. obviously all been around in New York longer than the Jets, the Nets, yep. the Islanders. I mean, the Islander fans are doing a hell of a job right now. Uh, bringing We're going to talk about them soon. Yes. I got a few things to well, say about old Trotsy. Yeah, but <laughs> as far as the New York uh, market here and the teams, you you can't you can't compete with uh, with the big city. It's just the way, it is, especially New York City. And I would say the same thing is true in say Chicago and say um, you know L.A. And I mean, I don't mm. I don't know I don't know how the Clippers really do as compared to the Lakers. I'm not really invested in it, but I just don't think they have the a sniff of the shine or anything that the Lakers. It's weird. It's a, I've always looked at the Clippers being like, oh, yeah, that's the, that's the team that plays in the basement. <laughs> you know? That's a good way to put or, it. Or they're the opening act. You know, there's a, right. there's a venue out here, right? They have the main room up top for the headlining acts, and then they have the smaller, you know. Right. Uh, they're, the, they're the side stage. The side stage. Exactly, like in a festival, <laughs> you know. Right. The Lakers are on yep. the giant stage, and if you want to see the Clippers, right. they're on the, the B stage over there on the west side with the craft, uh, right. with the craft uh, bar. <laughs> Right, while you're waiting in line for, you know, beer, you look over and go, oh, yes. there's a band over there. Let's go check them out. Oh, the so, Clippers, yeah. they're nice. So getting back to that, I, I think the NBA, they're going to look at this and go, nah, this doesn't work. We got to make sure that our other teams get in there to make money well, on TV. Well, just as a counter to that, next year you hope that some of the, some of the rookies and second-year players and third-year players on teams like the Hornets and the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, teams of players that – People want to watch, like you know, Ball in in Charlotte and and Zion Williamson, New Orleans, Jean Morant in Memphis. That those teams have more of an opportunity. It's more of an opportunity to get those teams into the playoffs. That brings eyeballs to the set. Golden State will be better next year. They'll be healthier next year. The Lakers, you hope they do something in the in the in the postseason or in the offseason to add someone to Davis and LeBron James if he can turn his focus away from Space Jam long enough to think about basketball. Um, those teams should be back. And then NBA has what it wants. But but as you said, it's all about the money. More playoff games equals more money. Even if you you know putting two more teams into the mix, despite what LeBron James says about how unfair it is, adds more money, adds more viewers, gets more revenue from TNT and ESPN and ABC. So I think it's here to stay, personally. But hey. Well, I've been then we'll agree to disagree because I, I got to tell you, if the guys on ESPN are like, you know, fighting hard to um, entertain the basketball fans in Utah yeah, as well. opposed to the, you know, the, the the giant cities in this country with the big teams, Chicago. I mean, you got to get, I mean, the Bulls. I mean, where have the Bulls been for years now? I mean, it's just bad. I mean, I'm just surprised that the NBA hasn't tried to figure that, fix that situation out. You know, you have well, to look at the big cities. Uh, and, and, you know, look, we can go on and well, on. Here's, on here's what they should we'll do. We'll just see how it goes. They should, they should go back to the, 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 the lottery where they drew 
envelopes out of a big drum and fix the lottery for the Bulls like they fixed the lottery for the Knicks back in 85 to draft Patrick Ewing. Hey, uh, speaking of Utah and the basketball, the NBA playoffs, are you ready to play Who's Dumber? Sure, let's go. Um, hold on a second. Okay, um, I'm holding. Before we do that, um, why don't we uh, cue this up here and um, we'll, we'll do this right here because I, I, I think I'm going to like this show or this segment that you're, you're putting together here. So um, let's let's try and do this here a little bit. So uh, fire away. Okay, so who's dumber? And we're talking about still talking about basketball. Stephen A. Smith, who said that I like the music, who said that Donovan Mitchell is the greatest jazz player of all time. Or Jeff Van Gundy, who said during the Mavericks Clippers game seven last week, quote, don't let Luka Doncic, Doncic, that's not easy to say, whiteness fool you. Which guy is dumber? Who said the more stupid comments? Hold on, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm a big Stephen A. Smith fan. We need some game show music, uh, some game show like thinking some, music. I like some Van Gundy when he was with the Knicks. I, I'm going to go with uh, Jeff. All right, well, that may be the right answer, but they're both pretty dumb. First <laughs> of all, to say that Donovan Mitchell, who has won exactly as many NBA championships as you and I, uh, is better than a little guy named John Stockton or another player by the name of Carl Malone. First ballot Hall of Famers, Dream Teamers, All Stars, All Pros, Gold Medal winners. Did I pick the right one? Career assist leader, top five scorer of all time. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell's better than those guys. Now I know you know you say things on TV to get people to watch and listen and tune in and so on. But come on, get out of here. And then, but Jeff Van Gundy, you know, we talked last week about saying things that were stupid. Oh, making yes, jokes. Everybody should go hey, back and listen to that episode. I'm making jokes now uh, to talk about Luka Doncic's whiteness fooling you. Yes, it's white on white crime. But, <laughs> you know, as we said, these are things you say on the court all the time to each other in practice and pickup games, and even in a game. But I guess you don't say it on TV. It's still stupid. Dummy. It still is somewhat racist. Almost the dope of the week, by the way. Uh, it was both Stephen A. Smith and Jeff Van Gundy are runners up. So it was a week in which the NBA gave us not one, not as LeBron would say, not one, not two, <laughs> or not one, but two incredibly dumb things. So hopefully we'll keep this as a regular segment as on who's I like dumber. It. I'm all for uh, dumb and dopes, dopes and yeah, dumb people. So I just, them out. you know. I just after we after I said to myself, we're gonna have another knockdown drag out brawl now that Jeff Van Gundy has dipped his toe into the water of stupidity. But no, I just I don't have the energy. It was dumb. Look, I'm I don't think you should be suspended. My same old thing, Rob. I don't think you should be suspended, but I just think it's stupid. You know, but it's Maybe on just... him not to say stupid things. Right. Maybe it. just suspend people for stupidity, not for racism or insensitivity, just for stupidity. If you want an idity. Try stupidity, not insensitivity. And again, I got no problem with him getting suspended or taking a break for a couple of days because he needs to go home and be reminded, don't say stupid things. Right. Just do your job. Call the I game. That's, that's we don't the need key. any comedians out there. Yeah. We don't need your take. It's, it's, I guess the key here is it's not so much we're upset about the potential insensitive nature. It's just you're stupid. You, you got a great shit? job. Start a podcast. Say whatever you want. 
but not. Yeah, you want you could talk about humpback games. whales and pictures of thongs all you want in your own podcast. Exactly. But when you're on, you're the lead analyst for ESPN during the playoffs. You know. And don't give me the, hey, I didn't know it was a hot mic. Uh, that's the latest craze. It used to be, you took what I said out of context. Now it's, I didn't know the mic was hot. How can you not know that? How that's many years have you been doing this in the broadcasting booth? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's a big red light that says on air or live. How do you not know you're on the air? So, anyway. Thank you, for, thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Who's Dumber? Who's Dumber? I like Brought it. You, we got to work on that. You're you Set up production on that. Send me the notes. We'll do it. Brought to you by your good friends at ESPN, bringing you stupidity since 1979. All right. Let's go to right. the rinks, my friend. Uh, we have the final four. Yep. In, in, in going for the big chalice, the big Stanley yep. Coupe. Lick game Stanley one. Uh, Coupe. Game one of Vegas Montreal starts tonight, and game one no, of Islanders. No. No, you're incorrect. I'm sorry. I don't usually tonight? like to correct you, but the uh, Islanders and the Bolts start today at three, and the oh, Habs and Vegas, as start you tomorrow. know, with the you should know this by now with the NHL trying to maximize right. their money here on broadcasting. It's each conference every other night. Right, I got and it flipped. Sorry, I got him flipped. It's okay. Forgive. Nine o'clock tomorrow, Habs and Knights. Three o'clock this afternoon, Icelanders and the Bolts. And how about those plucky Montreal Canadiens sweeping? through Winnipeg, and now they face Vegas. It's hard not to root for them. Not that I am, but it's hard not to. Well, first, I, first you got to hand it to the Knights uh, taking care of the Avalanche, who, me included, and most of the world figured Colorado was going straight to the Stanley Cup. And yep. after opening up that series with a 7-1 blowout, obviously Leonard was in nets, and then uh, DeBoer put Flurry in, and Flurry to me, is the difference in the series and turned the whole thing around. But that's a hell of a talented team there in Colorado, McKinnon and um, Rantanen and Landeskog and, you know, defend McCarr. I mean, you know, that's a lot of talent, a lot of first-round draft picks. And even McKinnon said in his post-game uh, conference there uh, the other night, I'm in this league nine years and I've won nothing. And, you know, uh, Rado had Patrick Awah there a few years back. I mean, this is a talented bunch. They've seen a lot of injuries, uh, you know, in the last few years. But they had everybody in the game. And they were beaten by a hardworking uh, Vegas team. DeBoer, I, I, one thing I'll just point out on this, what I noticed, Vegas, if you look at the goals, especially in the last two games here, uh, primarily off deflections, a lot of traffic in front of the net. They weren't pretty goals. I mean, obviously Stone had a gorgeous goal there in overtime um, in game five there, uh, you know, in Rado, which was amazing. And, and I think if, if Stone takes that shot 20 times against Grubauer, Grubauer stops it, you know. 19 times, but that's the game. But a lot of deflections, they just kind of just kept throwing the puck at the net, and Flurry and the Knights' defense just would block shots. I mean, you look at the shots against and the block shots by the the Knights. I mean, they really just created a lot of jam in front of these talented forwards for Colorado, and here they are uh, now, uh, you know, a series away. And look at the Vegas franchise as a whole. What have they been in the, in the league, what, 20 minutes, Rob? They have a chance to go to their second Stanley season. Cup final. Yep. You're talking about uh, teams like the Leafs, the Rangers, uh, Chicago Blackhawks, obviously, who, who won the three cups there uh, with, with the young guys. And, but it was a long-ass time before those guys got back to the dance. 
And these are stories. These are original six franchises that you know. Even even Montreal getting back, they've, they've been in the conference finals in the uh, the mid two thousands. Uh, you know, two thousand fourteen, thirteen, fourteen. You know, playing against the Rangers and everything like that. But man, Vegas has a chance now. And and now that this team is getting a little healthier, they've got everything going. That's a huge win for them. I think Montreal is going to. Um, they've got nothing to lose, man. Carey Price nope. is just playing great. They've got twenty year olds in the lineup with Suzuki and Caulfield. Um, you know, and then Perry and Stahl are helping them out on the experience side. This is the older guys, too. they got a great mix here. Deshaume, the, you know, he's a uh, rookie coach coming in, taking over for Claude Julian, who's another guy who's been to Stanley Cup finals and all this other stuff. And and they're going in, and they're just going to have – got to have a blast. And this will – the crowd in Vegas tomorrow night is going to be nuts. They've only been allowed to let, let 2,500 into – uh, the Bell Center for Montreal for the last couple of games here in the series. So basically, Montreal has been playing all season long without any fans. I mean, it's going to be something else. But bravo to the Habs. Uh, I'm a Rangers fan. You know, the, the rivalry with the Canadians for over the years has always been brutal. Um, always respect uh, the history and the lore. Uh, you know, the Canadians are the Yankees of the NHL with as many championships they've won. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. And I think this is going to be a, a, a fun series. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. And I don't, I don't know. I think maybe you, because the last thing I'll say on the series and throw it back to you is the, the Western Conference playoffs to me have always been better than the Eastern Conference. Much more wide open. Yeah, they're wide open. They're more physical. There's not a lot of whining and complaining about the officials. Uh, there's just, I don't know what it is, but that Colorado Avalanche, those games were just off the charts. Even the Vegas Wild Series before that was amazing. Um, and now, you know, you have a Vegas team that's coming out here. And DeBoer here, who has gotten to the finals with the Devils. He's gotten to the finals with the Sharks. He's, he's a super coach. Always liked him. He has a chance now to get Vegas back to the, uh, the finals here. And then you look on the other side, you know, and we'll get into that a little bit too. But, you know, a guy like DeBoer, I think you kind of focus on some of the personalities and the coaches that are left here in the, for, the, the Final Four uh, to get a chance to win this cup. It should be something else. So uh, I, I think this is going to be a great series. I don't think Vegas blows them out. I think Montreal gives them a lot of fun, uh, a hard time. And, and like I said, well, you got Carey Price in net, healthy, and playing well, and Flory on the other side. you got a hell of a fun uh, series that would normally never happen in the regular NHL schedule. So that's the other thing to uh, look forward to to here, too. And Montreal, though, they did have to travel west coast, east-west against the other Canadian teams in the North Division. Um, now they get to travel and come down to the States here and play Vegas, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I mean, it's it's Montreal was the last team into the playoffs, and now look at them. They're in the in the final four. It's, it's as I said, it's, it's hard not to root for them unless you have some sort of animosity towards Montreal. Um, what DeBoer did in Vegas with Fleury is very reminiscent um, with, of what – uh, Trotz did with the Caps in their cup run in 2018. At the end of that 2018 regular season, uh, Grubauer, the, the aforementioned Philip Grubauer, was had the hot hand over Braden Holtby. And Trotz made the decision to stick with the hot goaltender, which, look, it, that's the right decision. Going into the playoffs, the hot goaltender is one of the keys to victory. And in those first two games in the Columbus series, uh, it, just, it was like a different Caps team out there. And going into game three, it was, you know, do or die time. And, and Trot said, okay, I gave you two games. 
If it had been if it had been Bruce Boudreau, he would have pulled him out in the middle of game one and totally screwed with both of their heads. But he pulls out Grubauer after game two, puts in Holtby in game three, and you know the rest is is history. That was the key to success. So uh, you know more experienced, uh, better under pressure. Maybe the same thing will happen here with uh, Andre Fleury. So. Um, or Mark andre Fleury. So I, I see a lot of similarities there. I agree with your assessment. I don't think it's going to be, you know, Vegas sweeping Montreal out. I think they're too tough for that. And all the playoff jitters and the inexperience of youth and all the other excuses people will use, those have all gone out the window. You know, they weren't supposed to be here, blah, blah, blah. And look, they, they've made it here. And as you say, they have nothing to lose. And a team with nothing to lose, I know it sounds very cliche, there is no pressure there. They're not going to fold under the pressure of being down, say, 2 nothing in the first period. You know, and you're right. They've got experienced uh, you know, Stanley Cup playoff players, as you mentioned. So they are. They have a good mix of, of the youth and the inexperience. But you, they have – they got the goalie, though. They got the hot hand goalie. And that's – you know, in the hockey playoffs, that's that means more than anything. All the records go out the window if you're facing a guy who's just stonewalling you left and right, who's just on an unbelievable run. You got two great veterans of uh, yeah. the Eastern Conference here with Flurry and 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 uh, Price going at it. So I think that story yep. in itself is great, and hopefully they both stay healthy through the whole series, and, yep. and we get that. This is also huge for the Canadian franchise. I mean, with yep. the change they made to coaching, and then uh, Bergevin, uh, Bergevin is their GM. Um, and these guys, Caulfield, Suzuki, these young guys are f- super. Uh, so mm-hmm. going forward, um, they're just – I think this is just huge for the Montreal Canadian franchise. And and we joke and, about it with uh, big teams in other cities, excuse me, Rob, but yeah. just saying you want you want your, your – you, you need your big cities and your best cities to, to be in the mix and, and to uh, – because it helps the, the league as a whole too. So having the Montreal Canadiens – even much more so than the Edmonton Oilers or the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know what it is, but it's something about having an original six team in there, and and especially with the Canadians, and and, and hopefully this turns around their franchise going forward because I I think they needed this more than anything. Yeah, I mean, look, every league it has you know you have your Tiffany franchises, and the league is better. Whatever that league may be is better when those franchises do well. In, in basketball, it's the Celtics, the Lakers, the Knicks. Um, in baseball, it's the Yankees, it's the Red Sox, it's the Dodgers. And in hockey, you know, it's it's Montreal. I mean, is there is no more successful franchise over the course of the league's history than the Canadians. You know, they're old school all the way, and that there's something about seeing the Canadians, it, for casual fans, for hardcore fans, even if you can't stand them, can't stand them. There's just something about seeing them out there, especially when you've got a team like Vegas that's been around for an hour and a half. Tampa Bay is a recent expansion team. Even the Islanders came around in the 70s. So it's almost like, you know, who invited dad to the party? <laughs> you got all these kids running around, and hey, look, your dad's still getting it done, you know, 100 years later. So it's good. It's good for the league. And even if they don't make the finals, it's good for the league to have them get this far. Oh, the Habs are just like I said; they're they're in great shape now. Doesn't matter to get to yep. play on this stage, and for Montreal to get to play in Vegas, it's just yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. You you couldn't. There's no way this was written into the uh, the preseason nope. plan here, uh, with having these two teams play each other. Uh, you know, on it's it's weird because it's 
It's, we're so used to Western Conference and Eastern Conference, and they're calling this the yeah. semifinals and everything. But it's the Final Four, mm-hmm. and um, it's exciting. And then on the other yep. side, we have uh, basically what we saw last year, last summer, I should say, in the summer tournament, in the bubble tournament, and that's the Islanders and the Bolts playing each other again. But these are two different teams in certain aspects in terms of personnel. And I'm telling you, it's going to be a big factor. It was a huge factor in the Boston series, and that is uh, the crowds being back in the buildings here, definitely for the Islanders, the Coliseum, and the Bolts fans um, down in Tampa too. So um, let's get your first take on this series coming up. All right, so my take is really about the coach. And I was so angry. Not angry. I was so emotional about it. I actually wrote down. Oh, my, you can see. These I mean, look. Capital fans can't let Trotz go. No, no. I, no I, wait till you hear what I have to say. No, this is. Do I need to is, play emotional look, music in the background? No, you don't. Okay. I'm listen. Barry Trotz, former Washington Capitals coach, the only coach to say he's a Stanley Cup winning coach with the Washington Capitals. He's killing the Caps, and you know what? This guy is all for it. I'm couldn't be happier for Trotz, and that's why I'm personally I'm rooting as much as it pains me to say this. Oh, don't no. tell your brother. Don't oh, tell your brother. No. I'm rooting for the. I can't. Oh, I have to no. root for the island. Look, I got my since, brother. What about me? My listen, feelings. Since you know, I love you. Since Trotz was shoved over the side of the boat in D.C., he has taken the Islanders to back-to-back conference finals. I know it's technically the final four, but you get the idea. And the Caps, what have they done since he left? Still waiting for their first post-Trotz playoff series win. They're zero and three in the three years since Trotz left. So let's and to make matters worse. And I got some good stats for you here. Trotz has resurrected a once proud and relevant, dare I say, a dynastic franchise. Because remember, they won four cups in a row from 88-83, made the cup finals in 84, the Islanders. Okay, And since then, since doing that, since 1984, after the 1984 season when they they lost in the finals to Edmonton, they have won five playoff series between 1985 and 2018. So the Isles won one series in 2016, but before that, they had not won a playoff series since 1993. 34 seasons, five playoff series victories. One in 85, one in 87, two in 93. That was a banner year for the Islanders, and one in 2016. Then Trotz arrives in 2019, and in his three seasons in the barn, the Islanders have already matched the number of series victories won by the Islanders in the previous 34 seasons. He has some five series wins and could have another one if they beat Tampa in the uh, semifinals. And he has done all of this without John Tavares, who as uh, Trotz was coming into New York, Tavares was leaving New York. Now, for those who don't remember, by the way, those that aren't hip to what's happening in D.C., after Trotz won the Cup in 2018, he had a clause that provided for an automatic extension of two years in the event that uh, they won the Stanley Cup. And that extension came with a ready, a hefty, you ready for this? A hefty $300,000 a season raise. Oh, my. So raising nice. his salary from $1.5 to $1.8 million. Meanwhile, our good friend Mike Babcock at the time, coach of the Leafs, was making $6 million a year. So Trot said, you know, how about a little something for the effort? A little more than $300,000. Uh, thanks for the extension, but maybe have a $2 million a year. I don't know what the exact number was, but clearly more than three hundred thousand. And the caps, Babcock, six million dollars a right. year. <laughs> and the, cap, the caps told him, the caps told him to go pound sand, and the rest is history. They looked at 
Kevin from the office, Todd Reardon, the two of them were separated at birth, and said, this guy, he was really the brains behind the operation. He'll take us to the promised land. We don't need trots. How is that working out? Oh, yeah, Todd Reardon just watching, not even coaching with the Caps anymore. And, and Barry Trotz, again, under Trotz, five playoff series victories. In the previous 34 seasons, five playoff victories or series victories. So, obviously, he's doing something right without the brain trust that was Todd Reardon. So, I hope – just every time Trotz wins, it's a knife in the heart of Caps fans. But yet, I'm happy for him because he should still be here. And Ted Leonsis, the owner of the Caps, who is constantly penny-wise and pound-foolish – this is what you get. I guess they thought, hey, winning a Stanley Cup, how hard could it be? <laughs> <laughs> it only took the Caps, what, 45 seasons? Do I have my math right? 45 seasons to win one? Man, come on. How hard could it be? We got this guy, Reardon. Again, it's like they say, just because you sit next to the Stanley Cup winning coach doesn't mean you are the Stanley Cup winning coach. True words so. have never been spoken. So, roll Islanders. You can tell your brother I said that. And, I, again, I'm sorry that I can't support your teams more. Hey, if the Rangers were in the playoffs, I'd be rooting for them as well. Hey, look, take it from a Strangers fan here. Uh, huge respect for uh, Barry Trotz. Love him uh, as well as Lou Lamorelli. Lamorello, listen to me, putting my accent. Lou Lamorelli over there. It's not easy to say. Yeah, no, it's not. Um Hey, look, uh, the new ownership with Decky, they got a new building. The Islanders deserve this to a certain extent. Their fan base here, too. You know, and I go back to the dynasty teams. And when I was a kid and, you know, 79, 9, 10, 11. So I was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 through 85. Big Ranger fan and then getting knocked out by the Islanders. And, and I've had the pleasure to work with uh, a lot of the guys from that team a few years ago when I was doing a lot of, a lot more hockey uh, podcasting before podcasting was uh, popular, working with guys like uh, Butch Goring and Clark Gillies and and, and Bobby Nystrom and, and meeting all these guys. And they were kind of cast aside. And, and, and we used to do Butchie's show, and we would have all his teammates on, from Dave Longevin to Billy Smith, John Tonelli, Brian Trache. Now, I'm a Ranger fan, and I, it was a pleasure working with Butch. And the thing that killed me as a Ranger fan, and being a long time, long, I live on Long Island, was how that that dynasty was just pushed aside, and this Islanders organization just became a joke over the years. Mismanagement, uh, just a, a fickle fan base, uh, so many uh, letdowns, and over the years. And I put my Ranger allegiance aside here, and I'm extremely excited and happy for this organization with the new arena. And bravo. To the Long Island fan base out here and the and the Islanders fan base, which is a younger fan base now, and they're getting the opportunity with um, you know the capacity restrictions being lifted to get in there, and they are making a difference. I don't care what anybody says; they made a huge difference in the Bruins series. And um, you know, I look, I'm rooting for the Bolts all the way, <laughs> you know. But I'll tell you, when I'm curled up in a ball, you know, on the floor in the dark. If Barry Trotz raises that trophy over his head for the New York Islanders, it'll be okay. 
Yeah. Because because it's those two guys. I don't really – there's not too many guys on the Islanders as players and stuff as far as the rivalry concerned. And we haven't had that back here yet, but I think it's coming here uh, in the tri-state area, Rangers, Islanders, and Devils because the teams are young. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of fun. And then once you get the fans back in the building, the, there's no better rivalry the Islanders and Rangers and everything else. And when the Islanders play better, it forces the Rangers to play better, and then you get better hockey and so on and so forth. But um, this is going to be a, a, a great series. I think at the end, I think Vasilevsky is the best goaltender in the world. And he's just proven it in and out. The Islanders to get through to him is going to be – he's not Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask was banged up. He's just not – he's a different goaltender. And I think the special teams here is going to be huge for Tampa Bay. And they've got – I keep an eye on Steven Stamkos. This is huge for him as an individual player here. Yes, he won the Stanley Cup last year. He played a shift or two. But he wasn't part of the series run from beginning to end there in the bubble. He's a part of this now. Um, Kucherov is unbelievable. Sergachev is another phenomenal defenseman there with Hedman and everything else. Cooper's an experienced team uh, coach here. Um, this series, obviously, Captain Obvious stuff, is everybody thinks it's going to go six or seven. Or I think if the Islanders make mistakes, which they ha- they didn't do against the Bruins, if they make any mistakes here against the Bolts, the Bolts might get rid of him here in five because of the talent. But absolutely, the Islanders can beat these guys. They have the talent. Um, they have the personnel, the experience here. They play. And they have the year. coaching. Yeah, this is more of a revenge series, I think, for them. They, and I think that's where they might want to get careful here if they either get down in the series or get down in the games. But I will just say this last thing. I'll turn it back to you. Tampa Bay Lightning, win your games at home. Because when you come to the barn... That fan base is brutal. And if you lose a game at home, uh, you're in trouble because that's going to be an extra factor. And that'll be the challenge to see if these, you know, Stanley Cup champions, Stan- defending Stanley Cup champion uh, Tampa Bay Lightning can can handle this. Because and, and no disrespect to the Tampa Bay Lightning fans, but you are not New Yorkers. You are not Long Islanders here. You're, you're not going to give the business to the Islanders the way the Islander fans are going to do it, the way they did it to the Bruins. So it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I, I'm looking forward to it, and um, hope the Bolts win in five. Thank you. Look, as a guy who grew up, as you did, suffering through, as a kid, the Islanders killing the Caps, putting a stake through their heart in the playoffs. Look, I remember the 1987 Easter Sunday Massacre, the four-overtime loss when Pat LaFontaine – you know, stuck it to Caps fans everywhere. Uh, I still have nightmares about Billy Smith, um, but and Pat I, and Fontaine too. Don't forget him. And, well, I yeah, I <laughs> both of those guys together. There was just like a two-headed monster. They're a Hydra with you know Potvin and Bossy and Trotty and all those other guys. Look, I would never in my right mind root for the Islanders unless there was a special reason to do so. And in this case, I just. I can't forgive this mistake that uh, Leonsis and the Caps brain trust made in getting rid of Trot. So, you know, I hope that he goes far and I'd like to see him win another Stanley Cup just so, you know, they can say, you know, maybe it was the coach and not just upper management. But to the game itself, here's what I know about Trotz and his coaching is his teams, as you said, if it, if there's a blowout early, if Tampa Bay races out early and just is going 100 miles an hour as they are wont to do, they're not going to get rattled. Trot's teams, at least in the last couple of years, um, 
don't get rattled. He doesn't get rattled. When things don't go his way, like I told you, those first two games against Columbus in the cup run, it was looking like, you know, it was a completely different team. Like they had called up the minor that they'd called up the Hershey Bears to play instead of the actual Capitals. Um, and he just readjusts. You know? Um, so I don't expect the only reason I would expect that series to go seven is it's not going nobody is no team, neither team is gonna get scared off, feel the pressure, play tighter, grip the sticks harder because they're down by a couple goals or down by a couple games. They are very well coached. They are cool under pressure. And yes, they are facing a much better goaltender in Vasilevsky than they did in Tuka Rask. But again, it's a team under the leadership of Trotz that will not get rattled by a big lead by a dominant performance by Vasilevsky. Um, this is going to be, uh, I think it's going to be a brawl. And I believe whoever goes into the finals from this Eastern Conference, this side of the final four, whatever you want to call it, whether they face Montreal or Vegas, um, they're going to be kind of worn out. You know, they're going to come into this bloodied and battered. I don't think anybody's going to cruise into the finals, neither New York nor Tampa Bay. So, um that if you're sitting on the other side, if you're Vegas or Montreal, you could just have a distinct advantage just from the fight that's put up between these two teams. I hope it does go all seven games. I think it'll be great hockey. So I'm saying Islanders in six or seven. That's my uh, prediction. All right. It's pretty good. Look, they're both, I think, uh, whoever makes fewer mistakes is going to win this series. Absolutely. And it's two, it's, they're two good coaches. And there's you know? a little more star power on the both side. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. They know each but other very a, well. As, that was a hell a of a team, series they played in the bubble last year. Yeah. As a guy who has been a Caps fan all his life, we are usually the team with more star power. And how many cups have we won? So sometimes star power is nice, but doesn't really tell the no, story. So. And look, I feel you with the whole Trots thing and the Caps organization thing, too. Just the last hockey note here before we move on to baseball is um, I'm still stung by what happened with J.D. and Gorton being let go here with the Rangers. You know, I mean, I I still, and I saw J.D. yesterday introducing uh, the Columbus's uh, new coach, I believe Larson, and um, just seeing him uh, at the podium there with Columbus and going, are you kidding me? I mean, he was just here, you know, him and Gorton. Right, it's it's like the last few years didn't happen. You're like, wasn't he just with Columbus? Was I asleep? What happened? It's just... (laughs) I mean, I really do down the road hope there's a book. I mean, we still don't know what the hell happened. Oh, there should be a 30 for 30 on the final it's days just, of. I, so what I'm trying to say is, is yeah, I'm a diehard Ranger fan. And I'm, I, even with all the, this, what happened with the, mm-hmm. I, I'm still like stung by it. But anyway, that's for yeah. me and my therapist to get through. All right. Yep. So enjoy the games. Like I said, game one today, a uh, couple hours here, Islanders and Bolts. Habs and Knights tomorrow night, and by the time we get back here next week, uh, either somebody will be, uh, I guess four games will be in, I think, by then. So, uh, Oh, let's... no, we're, we're not here next week. So in two weeks, we'll oh, have our Stanley Cup finals. That's right. It's Daddy's Day. I don't know. I think we have, to find yeah. a, we have to find an hour to get in here somewhere next week. We'll have to figure it out, man. I mean, we'll do it when you're driving somewhere or something. You know? Sure. I'll call in. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But, we, yeah, we won't be here next Sunday because it's – wow, June is flying, man. It sure is. Wow, you're 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 go, you're finishing up the school year, but it's it's almost time to go back. You would think so. 
We've been, right, we've been in school so long this year. I think we're just going to go right into next season, just like all the sports leagues. All right, we um, let's do, let's try and uh, we're, man, look at us, man. An hour and a half already. Jesus. Yeah, I just got one thing to say, but I only got one baseball thing of any note, so right, go, we can skip the other stuff. Um, the Pete Alonzo conspiracy theory, the Mike Marshall thing. You know what? Here's my Mike Marshall take. Hey, everybody who's a baseball fan, look up what Mike Marshall did, and you'll be amazed. There, there you go. That's like my Mike that. Marshall tribute. Okay. Um, and the Pete Alonzo <laughs> thing. Pete Alonzo, we, we'll talk about him next week. But I want to talk about this. But alleged... on that uh, on that Alonzo thing, though, the other thing yes. that fans is is definitely look at the fact that uh, Major League Baseball did buy the rights to own the Rawlings Baseball Company. Okay, so have that as a side note, and everybody prepare for our show next week. I don't know, two midnight weeks, on on Saturday. Yeah, whatever. We'll do something. Uh, we'll talk about Pete Alonzo wearing the tinfoil hat of the conspiracy theorists. Um, all right, look, baseball apparently thinks there's a crisis with foreign substances, uh, goop on baseball. And we're specifically not talking spider, about taking your nose here. Right, specifically spider tack, which is a, a grip used, a, 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 a substance you put in your hands to, to give you a firmer grip when your hands get wet and so on. You use that and for it, other things, don't you, Rob? Uh, well, no, because you don't want your hands sticking. <laughs> I just, my mom does listen to this show, so let me, I'll just move on now. So look. I know it's you for Father's Day. Yes. Yeah. Some spider tech, please. Uh, actually, you know, I heard, I heard a funny line from Ron Darling about, you know, why you don't see pitchers, when talking about this, you don't see pitchers licking their fingers as much anymore and he said because you know if you've got spider tech or whatever you don't want people's fingers stuck to their tongues oh. so um but that something. that goes to what the problem in baseball is which is they have for years have allowed pitchers to put all manner of stuff whether it's spit or scuff marks or if you're a michael pineda several years ago remember he had the pine tar on his neck and he was reaching back on his neck and putting it on the baseball all these substances which increase the spin rate and make baseballs harder to hit. Now, all of a sudden, baseball finds itself in, quote, a crisis over spider tech, which is the newest performance-enhancing substance that baseball has to deal with. But here's the deal on that. The problem is not goop or spider tech or rosin mixed with suntan lotion or whatever they're using. All right, It's the insistence on batters trying to achieve the three true outcomes, walk, strikeout, home run. The problem is not pitchers overpowering batters. It's batters being far too reliant on things like launch angles and exit velocity and not playing small ball and not putting balls in play and just smashing home runs for a million miles. What baseball is doing with analytics, much like the NBA and their insistence on relying on three-point shots, is they are turning – all players, for the most part, there are some exceptions, your Tatis, your Juan Sotos, your so on, into Dave Kingman's and Rob Deers. And for those of us in the Paul and Rob age bracket, we remember Rob Deere with his 30 home runs hitting a solid 190 one season. And Dave Kingman, who struck out almost as many times. Good old days. You know, triple the times that he would actually get hits, whatever it was. Those guys had a lot of home runs, but you couldn't count on them uh, on the field to do anything other than hit a home run or strike out. So the bigger problem here is that we remember, and it's not that long ago, that 
baseball was once this delicate machine of moving parts of bunts and steals and double plays and line drive triples into and so on and so forth. Now it's real strategy was required. People would watch baseball and and and, and marvel at how all these little moving parts were seamlessly woven together. And now it's just a battle between pitcher and batter. You know, no manufacturing runs, no clawing back from a deficit with timely batting. Again, it's the NBA has become one glorified game of horse. So the problem that baseball is facing is not pitchers are illegally using substance. They've been doing that for years, and baseball has turned its back on it. The problem is batters have gotten this notion that all you should do is hit home runs, and you shouldn't manufacture runs. So it's not that the pitchers are more powerful. You don't have to move the mound back or deaden the ball or make, you know, crack down on foreign substance use. It's try to get people to understand that putting the ball in play and manufacturing runs is almost as good as hitting a home run plus with nobody on base. It's kind of hard to hit a three-run homer. And the other thing, and then I'll turn it over to you, is baseball for 100 years has been allowing pitchers to – put substances on baseball. They, I mean, there's a rule that's been in the books for years, for a century, about foreign substances altering the path of the ball and cheating. And umpires, you know, whistle past the graveyard and say, nope, nothing to see here. Unless you get something obvious like what Michael Pineda did with pine tar, literally pine tar on the back of his neck to get the baseball to, to spin the way he wanted. So now you can't come out and say all of a sudden, we're going to crack down on this and suspend pitchers for 10 days that we find you've been using. Because if you're allowing players to do it, if you're not enforcing the rules, you're tacitly saying to big pitchers everywhere, go ahead and do it. We know you do it. We're not going to stop you. They, this is what happened with steroids. Baseball turned a blind eye and said, we're not going to check. And players went, went wild and used steroids. And then baseball got a black eye because of it. So now you can't say in the middle of the season, especially with the collective bargaining agreement coming up, and that's going to be already contentious. You can't now say, oh, now we're going to enforce the rules. And with that, I will turn it over to you. Well, well, well done there, Mr. Cuny. I don't think Thank there's you. really much for me to add here. It's pretty much obvious stuff. I think the bottom line here is uh, the fans keep filling up the ballparks. And that's all that matters. And obviously, you know, coming out of quarantine and COVID now, you know, the, the, the fans are still coming out. I, you know, I haven't looked at attendance across the whole uh, spectrum as of yet. And maybe that's something I'll do next week. But in the big cities and stuff, I mean, people are still watching the game. You know, it comes down to, uh, you know, you know, you got the strike zone you have to deal with as a, as a hitter. Uh, whatever the pitcher's throwing, uh, putting on the ball or throwing at you, it still comes down to that hand-eye coordination stuff. And I think everything that you talked about, too, in, t- in terms of playing small ball and everything else, you know, getting into the basic, you know, uh, overanalyzing, you know, uh, pitcher release uh, two plate and contact or no contact and, and, and how whether that's going out of the park or a line drive, um, you know, we could spend a whole show on that. Day in and day out with as many baseball games that are played in major leagues in, in different cities every inning uh, between, you know, starters here that, you know, I mean, I know this came up with the Jared Cole thing in, in New York here too, but, I mean, how many pitchers are in the league? Uh, all the different types of pitchers, you know, how are you going to break it down? Well, how are you going to, how are you going to, I guess ultimately Rob here too is how do you, you know, with the steroid thing that you brought up too, how do you uh, monitor this? How do you uh, crack down on it? How do you, you know, I mean, sh- shit, they couldn't even stop the, the Astros from cheating there uh, three years ago. I mean, so. And you're going you're gonna to have to check everybody because if you don't, yeah. and the pitchers so, you do check are going to say you have it out for us. So in, in the big scheme here, as I always like to say, you zoom out, right? If it's not right. affecting Major League Baseball in the pocket, 
this stuff is headline stuff. It'll pass on. The game's yeah. going to be played, and that's it. And as far as baseball contracts are concerned, and I still don't know where they get the money, because not every major league ballpark sells out. Um, they've they've got an endless supply of cash. So as far as this being a black eye, you know what's happened in the past and going forward, I, I don't know. I think MLB right now, and this will be coming up down the road. Is this CBA is going to be absolutely intriguing to see which way how this is going to go with all the different factors involved, and I yep. I think we probably will get a pause in season or and but which would be absolutely that's going to be the biggest black eye if they can't get an agreement going forward and MLB has to shut down that's going to set them back years. Yeah, they Rob can Manfred, handle all this stuff. Rob Manfred is is looking at his own commissioner mortality right now because he has not been a great steward for the game like previous commissioners and if the cba goes the way you just predicted i don't see how at this point it doesn't create some sort of a stoppage even if it's just spring training that's it for him i don't see how he survives any sort of labor unrest but who cares with everything it? else that he's done how does he survive well to me i i look at the it's, i don't think it's so much the individual right now i think the game um, the game itself, because baseball fans are, they're incredibly dedicated. They keep coming back. The baseball hasn't been all that great, you know, as far as regular season stuff. We've had some great postseason stories and, and some great, you know, different championships, you know, even with the Cubs winning. And uh, and obviously you get all the crap that happened with the Astros and, and, and you know, but the Dodgers winning again and stuff. So, I mean, there's been there's been great stories, but there's been a lot of, Bad stories. I think the CBA is itself, when you look at the sports as an entity and financially for them, it doesn't affect me and you, obviously. We'll, we'll continue our lives whether baseball's on or not. But, you know, Manfred himself, who, you know, it's about the game and it's about the status of the game and these players and the money that they can make in this. And I think if they don't get this CBA done, especially coming out of COVID and the quarantine and everything else, and all the great stars. The All-Star Game's coming up. We'll, we'll talk about that down the road, too. It's coming up soon. Um, there's there's a lot of great talent in the game today. And I think this would just would crush it if they can't make this happen. So, I, um, you know, all the baseball stuff, the, the sticky stuff, the you know, the stuff that's happened in the steroids in the past. And even look at the Astros cheating thing. Baseball moves on. You know, Pete Rose, baseball moves yep. on. It just it goes on and on and on. But I think as a whole, um, for the fans... Uh, keeping the game going is going to be more important. So this CBA is more important as far as I'm concerned uh, with regards to these little, you know, sticky yeah. baseball stores. The the game, look, the game may be weakening, but the money is strong. So I guess I if that's the case, Manfred the keeps his... Yeah I, I, yeah, I mean, look, we, we could do a whole... And we probably should. I mean, as far as baseball is concerned. You know, where the game is weakening and everything else... And I'm with you on that. I, I miss the the short ball game and, and everything else, and but that's something that we could really get in depth about. But I think the talent in the league right now, the talent that uh, American colleges are turning out, the talent that the um, you know down in in, in the Caribbean and, and the players that are coming in and playing this game. I mean, Otani's, uh, you know, the, the players from Asia too that are playing in the game right now. There's an incredible amount of talent here. The stars are back. You, yep. There's tons of stars in this game right now. So 
the fans, I think, can deal with the baseball small stuff as far as the sticky stuff. I don't think baseball fans will be able to deal with a shutdown, and I think that's going to be really hard no. for them to get the that's fans. Gonna be, that's going to be awful. And I hope it doesn't. So. All right. Nope. Let's do some football and, stuff here. Well, go ahead. You got more baseball? Well, I was just, yes, I would just would like to recommend, I would like to commend to people to watch, if you can, uh, Vanderbilt in the College World Series with their two superstars, Rocker and Lighter. They're two starting pitchers. They're two aces. Because those two guys, those two guys are going to be in the major leagues before you know it. So, That's you know, awesome. buy some stock now while it's cheap. And say, hey, I remember these guys. I was a fan of them way back when. So that's uh, great. Man. I love hearing there, that. Yeah. That's, there are some that's good true. stars on the horizon. Good. That's what I want to hear, man. I want to hear about the young guys that are coming up for for the league down the road. And you know, we need college baseball and 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 even minor league baseball to get uh, as much props and exposure yeah. as possible because um, that's ultimately going to be for the the health of uh, MLB for for the long term. And like I said, there's tons of stars in the game right now. It's in a good spot, and, and hopefully things work out down the road. The talent is there. Let's just get the game, the mechanics of the game, a little tighter. Um, I don't – oh, there's the whistle. False start, Rob Cuny. It's all Five right. Yards. <laughs> Five-yard penalty for Mr. Cuny. Five-yard penalty, false start. All right, a little NFL in. talk. Okay, real quick. Uh, here's your Deshaun Watson update. Oh, uh, nothing – sorry. Nothing – no, nothing in the lawsuit – but now he says he wants to be traded to Denver. Uh, hey, pal, we don't even know if you're going to be playing football in the fall. Let's not start dictating uh, where you want to go play. As you know, everything with you is so up in the air. If I was you, if I was your agent, I would just say, "Hey, Deshaun, why don't you keep it zipped for a while?" You've, you surpassed your amount of time you're allowed to spend talking on him. Okay, uh, Aaron Rodgers still a Packer. Didn't show up. Well, for, uh, no, you're not allowed to talk about him either. Okay. Well, I got nothing. He's a stiff. <laughs> uh, he didn't show up for a mandatory minicamp. Everybody's, you know, uh, talking about how great Jordan Love is at Packer minicamp. And we all know, what does it mean when a player does really well at the mandatory minicamp, especially a quarterback who doesn't get hit? It means positively squad douche. Stugatz! So, Stugatz. Uh, right after we... So last week on the air, I said that Julio Jones was still a Falcon. Right after he went off the air, he was traded to the Tennessee Titans. So good for them. The Titans get a uh, 2022. I'm sorry, they get Jones and a six-round pick from the Titans. The Titans get a second-round and a fourth-round pick uh, back from uh, Tennessee. The big question there is, Rob, uh, who, who's going to throw the ball to him? Will it be uh, Tannehill? Or will it be Woodside? Still... Or will it be uh, Kaiser? No, no, it'll still be Matt Ryan. I think, you know, this is a move that it kind of surprised me because I thought when they drafted Kyle Matt Ryan's Pitts. done. Get him out of there. Get the young kids in drafted, there. When they drafted Pitts, they were going to make one more, you know, one more rodeo. Anybody with, uh, with the name Deshaun? He, I mean, get more people what to What is it with you with Deshaun, Deshaun Kaiser? Kaiser? What is it with baby. So, anyway, uh, I'm not surprised he was, I am surprised he was traded. Uh, good for uh, Tennessee because now that team. That team's going to be yeah. dangerous. They already were dangerous. Tannehill and uh, Henry and Brown. They lost John and Smith. They bring in Julio Jones. So they're a team to be reckoned with next year. And finally, Russell Wilson says, you never wanted to be Wilson. traded. Sorry. Never wanted to be traded. And all I can say is this. That may be true. You didn't actually say you wanted to be traded. But when your agent 
presents a list of teams that you will be you will consider being traded to to uh, the Seahawks management and Seahawks brass. Your agent, last time I checked, is you know the spokesperson for you. So somebody wanted to trade in Russell Wilson's camp. You can't come out now and say no. I didn't want. It. So another possible uh, dope of the week candidate, but he uh, didn't make the final cut. So there's your NFL, and you know mini camps or mandatory mini camps are going on this week, this past week. You know the NFL keeps rolling on, and next week or in two weeks, I'm sure uh, we'll still be talking about who has and has not been traded. Excellent. Just wait till the games start. We can actually talk about something more exciting. Yes. Well, that's the fun point. That's yeah. Where all the story stuff's coming. It's hot. It's yeah. hot out there right now. So there's there's your about. NFL recap in a bag. All right, uh, you want to make a, a final couple of quick notes here? Uh, you want to say a little more on Naomi Osaka and uh, you know? No, nah, you know, I, I, I yeah, I, it's uh, that's I mean, it's look, already it's already gone stale for me. Yeah, well, Rob, I mean, you, you have it here in, in big letters here, Naomi Osaka mess. So it, it is a mess. So leave it as a mess. It's not for yeah. us to clean it up. No, you know what? I will just say this: if you're a professional athlete and your job is to exist in the cauldron of professional sports, especially in a solo sport like golf or tennis. You know, facing the media can't be as bad as 20,000 people, 50,000 people, millions of people watching you on TV, watching you on the 18th green, watching you in the fifth set tiebreaker of a, of a Grand Slam final. If that pressure doesn't get to you, I just don't see how the pressure of the media asking you questions is going to get to you. And... I know this is the cynic in me, but it feels like this is more about who controls the message because Osaka is very outspoken, doesn't mind going on social media and putting out her own messages and feelings about matches and social justice and whatever. So it feels a little to me more about controlling your message than it does protecting your emotional well-being. But that's just me. I I mean, because to be honest with you, how hard are really our post-tennis match questions? Right. Excuse me, Mr. Cooney there. When you were down 15 love, you came back and won. How'd you do it? I mean, is it harder than, than you know, again, with the pressure on you having Mr. to make Cooney, a Mr. Cooney, you were hitting the ball a little ball. hard there on your serves. Is that something you right. practiced? Oh, and also, last time I checked, you can still say no comment. Or, as we'll hear in the next segment, the Dope of the Week segment, pretty much any answer you give in a press conference is better than just not attending. So... You know, how bad could it be? I don't want to answer. Or just come out and say, just ask me about the match. Or ask me about the weather. Or how my family's doing. It's just, you know. Tennis problems, baby. Tennis problems. All right, real quick. uh, For soccer, uh, the UFA 2021 tournament is going on right now. Uh, Yesterday in the uh, Finland-Denmark match, Christian uh, Eriksson... Or Eriksson, I believe. uh, I apologize which which way he goes by. But... um, he had a health issue on the field yesterday, which was uh, unbelievable. Uh, but he's okay, and I believe I saw the quote from the doctor. He died yesterday and came back. He did. Back he and... was resuscitated after yeah. suffering cardiac arrest. Unbelievable. Yikes. <laughs> Wish him the best and him his family and health and recovery. I don't think he's going to be playing soccer again, though, from what the doctors were saying. Um, they paused the game, then they got back. Uh, Denmark did eventually lose to Finland. So that tournament's going on. England beat Croatia today 1-0, Inglaterra. So uh, this tournament will be going on for the next 17 weeks. So enjoy really? that. It's not really going on for 17 weeks, is it? <laughs> Good Lord. There's a lot of games, a lot of groups, a lot of teams, 
a lot of games. So hang in there. So when we come back here in December, we'll still be talking about uh, your. How are the uh, How are the Scotch tapes doing? Uh, Scotch tapes doing. Let's see. Uh, I don't even know if they're actually in this okay. tournament. <laughs> you know, I have to bring Scotland plays tomorrow. They play against the Czech Republic. I want I my freedom. Every time we talk soccer, that's a weak joke. Every time Scotland comes up, it's it's Mel Gibson and in that movie. Yeah. Braveheart. Braveheart. <laughs> Braveheart. Yeah. Ness. Go out there and play with brave hearts. There. You know, Mel Gibson, Men in Kilts. Yes. So, like I said, there's 400 games going on in this Euro 2020. Fantastic. Lots of flags. Lots of uh, all that stuff. But anyway, it's time now. Hey, everybody. That's awesome, dude. That's right, everybody. Even now that we're on Sunday mornings, the Gagzang and I spend countless hours each week in the basement of the Ghost Sports Media Complex to come up with each week's winner. And you, yes, you, can for absolutely no reward save for our undying respect and gratitude help pilot the show by nominating your own Dope of the Week. Please to be using. The hashtag DOTW on Twitter, at Cuthbert Live, at Bitter and Rage, at Sports Honchos, at Go Sports Media Co. And who will be carrying the mythical Sports Honchos Dope of the Week Cup around the ice rink of shame this week? Why, none other than, speaking of baseball, Garrett Cole, starting pitcher for your New York Yankees. <laughs> Cole is 7-3 this season with a 2.31 ERA and a .869 whip. For the 33 and 31 Yankees, he is having another typical Garrett Cole season. As mentioned earlier in the show, Graham, MLB is suddenly cracking down on pitchers who may be cheating and is planning to start checking baseballs for illegal substances more diligently. On March 25th this year, MLB told all 30 clubs it was gathering baseballs to study how pervasive the problem of foreign substance use was in baseball. Like the Dodgers' Trevor Bauer, Cole has pitched this season under a cloud of suspicion. Due to his continued success since he came to the American League in 2018, uh, he is 49-16 and 16 with an ERA under three with both the Astros and Yankees since 2018. That suspicion reached a fever pitch after Cole's start on June 3rd against the Tampa Bay Rays on the same day that MLB, after studying thousands of baseballs, that sounds like a great job, over the first two months of the season, announced that 10-day suspensions would be handed down to pitchers using foreign substances, Cole had his worst start of the season that included giving up five earned runs in five innings. I might add parenthetically, if that's your worst start of the year, you're doing pretty something pretty well there. All right, on June 8th, the day before his next scheduled start against the Minnesota Twins, Cole was asked about the use of spider tack, which is the foreign substance in the crosshairs of MLB because it is used to increase the spin rate on pitches. Um, so now we're going to play uh, what Cole said, I hope. And we'll stop it here and there to so I can comment on it. So if you would please, Mr. Cuthbert. Yes, I'm I'm rolling this up right now. One second. We're waiting for the um, the thing to produce here. And it will be here any second. Hold on. One second again. You know, Garrett Cole looks no. uh, really good these days, by the way. So but um he I just does. wanted to say that he's a very handsome guy. I'm not really uh you know, as a Yankee and fan here, this is a little hard for me to kind of deal with uh you picking all and my I, here. And I do apologize. And while Paul is doing this, ah, here we go. Wow, that's quite a press conference. And have you ever used spider attack while pitching? 
Um, I don't. Oh, Jared. Oh no. I don't know. I I, I don't know if. Uh, oh. I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that. To be honest. Oh, All right, um, stop. All right, so stop it here. Okay. I mean. So- so much to unpack, first of all. Yeah. Uh, first, oh, first, man. how about that pregnant pause to start the answer? Paul and I both went out for a smoke during that pause. <laughs> That's so bad. Okay, so he starts by saying he did not know how to answer the question. How about yes or no, bro? It was a yes or no question. Did those two choices really stump Garrett Cole? All right, now let's hear some more. Go ahead. There are customs and practices that have been passed down from – older players to younger players from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I think there are some things that are certainly out of bounds in that regard. And, and, uh, I've stood pretty, stood pretty firm in in terms of that, uh, in terms of the communication between our peers and whatnot. Um, Can I please stop it? So, so wait. So next, he, next he, he pukes out a word salad that included customs and practices being passed down from one generation to the next, things being out of bounds, standing firm, communication between peers, and ended that part of it with the dreaded whatnot. What the hell was that? Did anyone understand the point he was driving home? All right, let's finish it up. Again, like I mentioned earlier, there's – you know, this is important to a lot of people that love the game. And this is including, including the players in this room, including fans, including, you know, teams. And so if MLB wants to, you know, legislate some more stuff, that's a conversation that we can have. Um, because ultimately we should all be pulling in the same direction on this. All right. So, so oh then sent now. Oh my God, sensing- Jerry, what have you done? Sensing he was falling further down the rabbit hole, he admits that a crackdown on foreign substances is important to people who love the game, including players, teams, and fans. A question, who's left after players, teams, and fans? And finally, Cole expresses his support for a conversation about rules being enforced in baseball because players should, be, should all be pulling in the same direction. How magnanimous. He does not support enforcement, mind you. He supports talking about whether or not there should be enforcement. Clever. Now, I don't know if Cole is slathering spider attack on his balls, but after listening to that response, I think he might be eating it straight from the jar. Listen, friends, we can sit here and speculate if Cole stopped using spider attack on June 3rd after hearing that MLB was suddenly on the warpath. There was certainly circumstantial evidence to suggest an irregularity. Other than the June 3rd start against the Rays, Cole had only given up more than two earned runs in a game one other time in his 13 starts this season. What I do know is this. That Cole had five days to craft a response knowing full well that the drumbeat of suspicion around him was getting louder after that start against the Rays. Now, I'm not saying that Cole had to become one of the great orators of our generation in those five days, but was it too much to ask for an answer that did not start with being stumped by a yes or no question for 15 full seconds? I mean, what did Cole think he was going to be asked in that press conference? His thoughts on the passing of B.J. Thomas? He will be missed, by the way. Maybe a little coaching would have made Cole's response at least passably coherent. I mean, were former Yankees Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, and Alex Rodriguez not available for advice on how to address questions about foreign substances? Perhaps for Cole's next press conference, reporters will restrict all of their questions to multiple-choice exams. So, Garrett Cole, for waiting until the last minute to do your homework, for giving new meaning to the phrase, pride of the Yankees, and for being less prepared to... 
less prepared to discuss your tacky balls on a Zoom call than Jeffrey Tubin. You are the Sports Honcho's Dope of the Week. Congrats, Garrett. Your certificate is in the mail. Hey, go, Garrett. Don't go change it, buddy, though. Yes. You need the wins. I don't care what you got to use. That was what a really mean, don't, don't bring up the Astros. Come on, we can do it. It's, it's, it's just okay for nobody else to do it, okay? Right. <laughs> it's a yes or no question. Not the... That was brutal. Uh, uh, yeah. I apologize. It's the first time I've seen it, man. I didn't realize it was so bad. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> see, I like and, – and just and that's true. See, Paul doesn't – usually doesn't know who the dope of the week is until we record live. And the video clips, I just have him play. So he keeps himself in the dark. So you get the real reaction. It's not manufactured. <laughs> no spider tack was used in Paul's reaction to the dope no, of the week. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. But I do have a uh, press conference coming up at 3 o'clock today to explain <laughs> some of my antics today on the show. Oh, baby! It's in the books! Sunday morning has now become Sunday afternoon. Thank you so much, as always, for listening to the Sports Honchos from Paul here on Long Island. Have a great rest of your weekend. Watch some hockey today at 3 o'clock, baby. Eyes, aisles, and the bolts. Mr. Cutie, bid everyone do, please, as you always do. All right, my friends, thank you as always for listening. Follow us, subscribe, rate, review. Keep doing all the things you do. We do appreciate the show. There are no sports honchos without you, our faithful listeners. So please, everyone, go out. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Keep your balls tacky. Be nice to each other. Be safe out there. And as always, peace. Honchos out, baby! 